Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right, so are you being held accountable in your life? We have a great topic today just discussing that, and you are listening to Girlfriend It with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, and Lisa, once again, is off gallivanting. She's actually on her way to see her son in Portland, Oregon, so um, if you're listening, Lisa, we're, we're all out here thinking about you, praying for you, but we want to just welcome everyone to the show today, and we are going to do things that will help you be remarkable, and through all of your relationships and the resources we have available to you. But today we have our guest, Donna Gaines, and she is a speaker, author, and founder of Arise to uh, Read, a nonprofit organization that recruits churches to adopt and provide tutors for inner city elementary schools. She also teaches Bible study at her church, and um, she is the mother of four and Nana, not Nana, to 10 children. Welcome, Donna. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing awesome. So, Donna, you are in what what city? Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee, because immediately your accent. I, I was my, my mom and mom <laughs> from Tennessee. So it only takes, you know, like 30 minutes or so to be talking to someone from Tennessee, and then we start talking just like we you know, mirror and mimic that. You pick it right back up, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So I'm so excited to have you on the show today. And you have a new book out there called Choose Wisely, Live Fully. And I, I love the name there. And tell us a little bit about who you are and how God called you into writing this book. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I, I'm a, wife and mother, first of all. I'm also a pastor's wife and had been a Bible study teacher for a long time. But it was when our oldest daughter was about to enter high school that I just heard a pastor mention, kind of in passing in a sermon, the two women of Proverbs. Well, obviously, when we think of Proverbs, we usually think about the Proverbs 31 woman who seems to intimidate most of us. And that just yes, really intrigued me. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. So I began to do a study of the two women of Proverbs, which as I began to read Proverbs 1 through 9, realized the Bible has personified wisdom and folly. And the two women represent the two paths that are so clear all throughout Scripture. And as I began to read and highlight and make a list of all the blessings associated with wisdom and the curses associated with the choices of folly, I realized very quickly there is one path that leads to life and blessing, and there is another path that leads to curses and death. And we choose the path upon which we walk. And most of the time, most of us are making choices without really thinking about the consequences. Mm-hmm. Well, when you, when you put it that way, it just seems so black and white, because it is black and white. And <laughs> yet, exactly. daily, life is just so daily that you don't really consider 
all the minutes that turn into an hour that turn into a day that all it's a sum of all your choices. <laughs> and that's what makes mm-hmm. it so complicated of how do you wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to choose wisdom over choosing folly. So what would be your, your first tip there in making that choice to choose wisdom? You know, the way off the path that leads to death is repentance. And there again, that's a truth that God has revealed through Scripture. So the first thing you need to do is to repent of trying to go your own way and being rebellious, which all of us have a sin nature and all of us are prone to go that way. I know. I'm a very strong-willed firstborn child, so I understand rebellion in my own heart. (laughs) But once I saw so clearly these two paths and how they really are the result of our choices, and that God has given us in his word everything we need to know to navigate our way to him, which is the path that leads to life. So as we get in the word of God and study it, and not just study it, but begin to apply it to our lives, then we find that God begins to give us further revelation, which gives us the light we need to stay on that path that leads to life and blessing. Mm-hmm. Well, I started out the show by saying, you know, if, if someone there to, to hold you accountable, are you being held accountable? And many times like what you're saying is, is we can go through, we can have the intellectual part of reading through scripture and reading through, you know, going to Bible studies. But what does that take to, to really, truly own it, to put it there in your heart, to make it applicable and so what would, you, what would you say to that? Because everybody's so busy in life, and I think especially for women, we wake up in the morning and, you know, before, before sometimes you can even brush your teeth, your kids have you running around, exactly. and you're doing all these, and you keep thinking, I know I need to have my quiet time. I know I need, I crave this time with, with God. And I, I know at times I've, you know, put my, my Bible on top of the, the dryer as you're throwing laundry in the washing machine. <laughs> right. <laughs> you Grab those and, moments when you can, right? Yes, and then you feel, I know I do, I, I do guilt well, and you go, oh, you know, how how did that happen? How did I only give God that, that mm-hmm. you know, few minutes on top of the dryer? <laughs> exactly. And so how do we do that where we can have others hold each other accountable without the judgmental part of it. Because I think as Christians, we can get real judgmental, which creates sure. the legalism. And I think the enemy has a heyday in that as well. Absolutely. That's, that's a death right there, isn't it? <laughs> legalism will actually yeah. squeeze yeah. all the life out of you. Um, you know, you've got to make a choice. There, I, I just fully believe our walk with Christ, it's all about relationship, and we have to choose to make him preeminent, to make him the priority in our life. Now, for children, I know what it's like to be up with a sick child in the middle of the night. I know what it's like when you're trying to slap together breakfast and lunches and get everybody out the door, you know, five minutes before you walk out and the child gasps and says, oh, no, I'm supposed to have cupcakes for, you know, for class today. And, you know, I know what that's yeah. like. But the way I was able to survive and not just survive, but to thrive in my relationship with Christ was to literally set my alarm earlier than everybody else. And I know for moms, so often if anybody's up in the house, there's going to be a child that comes up. Well, you know what? I'd give them a drink and lay them down with a blanket on the couch beside me while I read my Bible. Patty, it only takes about 15 minutes a day to read the Bible through in a year. Mm -hmm. Now, all of us have 96 15-minute segments in every day. And, you know, we just have to ask ourselves, if I'm saying I'm a Christ follower and he's preeminent in my life and I'm going to love him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, can I not give him 196th of my day 
to spend in his word so that I can have his wisdom and I can make choices that line up with that truth. You know, I think the other thing that we deal with as women is because we are relational and we can have a tendency to be led by our emotions. We make decisions and choices based on, based on emotions instead of on logic and on God's truth. And what I have found, you know, I'm 59 years old, so I've lived long enough to not only raise my children, but now watching them raise theirs. If I will make my actions, if I make choices based on God's word, if I line my life up with truth, my emotions will eventually line up with that truth. We cannot make decisions based on our emotions. I, mm-hmm. The enemy gets a stronghold there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going back to emotions, you have three daughters. <laughs> which yes. obviously you had them through high school. <laughs> so Yes, and survived. <laughs> yes, and you survived. So I have, I have two girls and, and one boy. And going through just the emotional aspect of raising yeah. um, a daughter, how <laughs> now on this end of it, what would you do differently as you were raising your daughters through high school? Because I... I've seen even from one daughter who is six years older than the the other one with social media, it's a whole different world that it has caught me off guard because Mm -hmm. it, it just snuck up on me. You know, we used to have rules that nobody, you know, the computer was out in our dining room. Nobody was, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where they could do the homework. They, couldn't do it in their room because we just wanted to have access and what, you know, mm-hmm. what they have access to. And now that they all have literally a computer at their fingertips, it's exactly. like severing their arm. If you take that computer away from them, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to get a balance on that because you're learning. You, it's not about the firewalls anymore. It's not about saying, okay, this is the, the time you can have on this computer they have access to it. So now it's training them how mm-hmm. to use it appropriately, how to be smart exactly. with this, how yeah. to encourage them to, to be on the right, you know, looking in the right thing and guarding your heart. So what would you do differently? And maybe, you know, as you're seeing even your grandkids, that you can give our listeners a tip on how do we disciple our kids through these teenage years? Right. You know, and I think it begins, first of all, with our relationship with Christ, because passion for Christ is caught more than it's taught. And Mm -hmm. my husband and I both committed to our personal walks with Christ first, because even if our children rebelled, we wanted them to not be able to deny the existence of God because they'd seen evidence of Him in our lives through answered prayer and transformed lives. So we wanted to live it out before them. So that's, that's first and foremost. We've got to be living it. The second thing is you need to expose them to other Christians, to Christian teaching, to concerts. We were, you know, taking our kids to Christian concerts and exposing them to Christian teaching because I wanted them to understand there are other people who believe the Bible just as strongly as we do, and they would reinforce those truths. Get other people in your child's life that will speak life into them, that will hold them accountable to truth and will love them enough to speak the truth to them, whether that's a Sunday school teacher or a discipleship leader Um, our son went through a period of rebellion in high school for about a year and a half, and obviously it just broke our hearts. Um, We prayed for him. We enlisted prayer warriors. In fact, I had a very godly woman tell me about her son, who had lived in a period of rebellion, had come back to the Lord, and she enlisted people that she knew knew how to pray. And 
when he came back to the Lord, he went personally to each one of those people who had prayed for them, for him and thanked them. Well, we did the same thing for our son, and God got a hold of him in some pretty miraculous ways. That son is now a pastor and the father of four children. Wow. Um, but I tell you, there was a time I wasn't sure he was going to survive, I can tell you. Um, and that breaks your heart as a parent. So you've, you, you yes. want to love your children and Donna, you have a good relationship. I'm going to... I'm going to cut you off right there. We have a quick commercial break, and we will be right back to hear all these other great tips. Thanks, Donna. Thank you. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. For the 19th consecutive year, the Labrador Retriever is the most popular dog in America. We used to own a yellow lab, and she was constantly jumping up and knocking things off the coffee table. I guess labs can be a bit clumsy at times. What are other words for clumsy? Humulty jumulty and humperty clumperty. Rounding out the 10 most popular breeds in America are German Shepherds, Yorkshire Terriers, Golden Retrievers, Beagles, Boxers, Dash Hounds, Poodles, and Shih Tzus. Dash hounds actually make a good pool toy for little kids because they've already been stretched. Apparently, beagles can be difficult to train as they can be haber-glabber or strong-willed. Why is it dogs get annoyed when you blow in their face, but take them for a ride in the car, and they'll stick their head out the window? I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are talking with Donna Gaines, who is a speaker, author, and the mother of four, as well as a nana to 10 grandchildren. And Donna, you were just uh, talking about your newest book, Choose Wisely, Live Fully. And I I like what you said, how passion is caught, not taught. Mm. And so many times we, as parents, we want to do that. We want to, you know, have all of this information, make sure you're getting into God's word, make sure you're doing, but they're watching you and it doesn't matter um, (laughs) what, what you say, they're watching what you do and Mm -hmm. just uh, 
your son, the story of your son and who is now a pastor. And I heard one mom talk about her children. She said, I'd rather re- have them rebel while they're in my household and you yes. can kind of guide them. Exactly. <laughs> then, that's exactly right. And when they start questioning their faith, that's not a bad thing because they have to question it to be able to own it. For a long time, it's mom and dad's faith, and they believe because you believe. Even though they may be believers themselves, it's kind of like they've been riding your coattails. So there comes a time when they're going to question, but that leads to them owning it. They have to know why they believe what they believe. Mm-hmm. And it's it's easy to put out you know a broad statement to go, yes, they have to own it, and, and we need to guide them, teach them, mentor them. How do you own your faith? But what would be a practical tip? Like I said, with... With everything going on, they are they spend such a short time in church compared to what the world right. is pouring into them. And I, I love what you said. It's surrounding them with mentors and that support that they can be held accountable to the truth. Uh, what, what other tip would you say on... Have values-based, biblical-based conversations in the home as a natural part of your day. You know, that's what Deuteronomy 6 was talking about. When you rise up, when you sit down, when you walk in your way, it should be as natural for you, just out of the overflow of your relationship with Christ, to talk about what God's revealing to you, um, what God's been impressing upon you, maybe some sin God's, you know, revealed in your own life that you've had to repent of, to show as you model for your children what that relationship looks like with Christ, that we have accountability to Him and to His Word, and do you value His Word? Um, When our children would come to us with a situation or a circumstance they were trying to pray through, we would say, always, well, what does God's Word say about this? Let's look in God's Word. Let's dig in here and see what God would say to you about this. And then pray with your children pray over your children, pray for your children. They need to know, like I had a specific place in our great room where I kept my Bible and my quiet time things. And, you know, I I read through the Bible annually, and then I have time in prayer. And I have a prayer notebook where I I write down requests. And, and, you know, my children knew when they walked down in the morning, their mom and dad had already met with the Lord or were still meeting with the Lord. And they knew that we set aside that time. So it was modeling for them. Christ has to be first in our life if we're going to pass on that truth and if they're going to start walking and living that themselves, if they're going to value God's Word. Mm-hmm. What, when you're doing your uh, Bible study there at church, what, what are you seeing as a whole of just the younger generation? Because I do see a lot of um, women that just feel so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so caught up in, you know, what what the world is, is doing. What what are you seeing, and how are you having those conversations? You know, I think with- if you look in Scripture, there are so many pictures in Scripture through the lives of those that have been recorded for us that teach us truths that are pertinent today. <laughs> if you look at Rachel and Leah in the Old Testament, you say women have always been prone to compete and compare, and how much more so. Now, it's been so heightened with social media. We're constantly trying to put this glittering image out there so that everybody thinks our life is wonderful, and yet we're comparing and thinking, well, I don't measure up to this person, and my life's not as exciting as this person, when in reality, that's not their real life either. (laughs) I would suggest, and I suggest this to women all the time, limit your time on social media. Spend more time in the Word and more time serving others, more time out there having actual relationships, not pseudo-relationships on the Internet. And we need to be careful to, like you were saying, with our children having a phone in their hand all the time. We've got to help them 
set boundaries, and we do that by no phones at mealtime. Um, at, say, 9.30, whenever your time you set as a family, your phone goes into the parent's bedroom to be charged overnight. They should not have a phone in their room where they have access to all kinds of things that the enemy can use to erect strongholds in their lives and destroy them ultimately, which we know, we have to understand, we have a very real adversary. And Jesus called him the thief. And he does come to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have to be on guard against him on behalf of our children while they're under our roof. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, so your daughters had a little bit of say in, as you were writing this, this book. Um, what, what kind of input did they give you as you were writing this you know, it was so much fun because God gave me this study when our oldest daughter was entering the ninth grade, and I ended up teaching it to the girls in our youth group. And as we worked through the blessings and the curses of the two women of Proverbs, we literally had a giant piece of white butcher paper on the board, and we were making a list, and I had them writing them down. And when we finished and we stepped back and looked at it, we, see, we could see very clearly the two paths, the path that led to life and wisdom and the path that led to curses and death. And so I turned and looked at them, and I said, okay, who in their right mind is going to choose curse and death? Who chooses this? We do. Every time we choose to make a decision without consulting the Word of God or any time we choose to go our own way instead of obeying the Word of God, that's what we're choosing. The problem is we don't think that through. And so my girls have been hearing these truths all of their teen years. So it is so fun now to see them as adults and our our two oldest daughters both have daughters, but our youngest is expecting her first, and it's a little girl as well. So it was very important uh-huh. to them. They shared... Um, at the end of each chapter, they have some insight about the specific character quality of wisdom that we discuss in that chapter. And they tell either about how they learned it or how they're currently processing it and wanting to pass it to their own children. So it was so much fun to get to talk this through and do it together. Mm. Well, I love for our listeners to be able to, as they're listening, for it to be somewhat interactive. When you talk about doing this with a flip chart, what, what would be something that they could be doing uh, when you say this lesson, and I believe you have it even in your, your book through I the do. Bible, yes. mm-hmm. how can they participate right now with this? What would be a task they could? Just, yes, just commit to read Proverbs 1 through 9, and I would just encourage them to read, take a chapter or two a day and read through it and underline. It was so funny. The first time I underlined, I just kind of happened to underline the blessings of wisdom in a green gel pen and the curses of folly in hot pink, which was kind of funny um, since she's, the, you know, the the woman of the street. But after I finished and looked at it and then just made my list, my list was on a sheet of notebook paper with a line drawn down the middle with wisdom on one side Mm -hmm. and folly on the other. And I just listed the characteristics or the results, the consequences of their choices. And it's, like you said, black and white. It's so stark, Patty, when you see it right there on on paper. And it, you know, the, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I think seeing these truths in reality strikes a chord of fear in our heart in that we want, it's a, it's reverence. We understand God's word is true. All through Scripture, God says, if you do this, then I will do this. I call them the if-then Scriptures, and it is from Genesis to Revelation. Hmm. If you do this, then I will do that. I'm, I'm having to, to write this down. Uh, <laughs> well, it began in we... Genesis. God said, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you will die. So it starts there, and we see that every time God has said, if 
you do this, then this will happen. I will do this. God has absolutely always fulfilled his word. And when Moses was about, or when the Israelites were about to go into the promised land, and Moses was going back over all the commands God had given them at the end of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 30, he says, I have set before you today life and death, blessing and a curse. Choose life that you may live, you and your descendants. And here again, it makes us really come to grips with the fact that our choices do not just impact us. They impact our descendants for generations to come. Every choice has a ripple effect. Every choice has consequences. And it just makes, when you realize this and come to grips with it, it makes you so much more aware of the choices you're making and creates within you just a real desire to make your choices line up with Scripture. Hmm. I tease my husband about that all the time whenever we're having conversation. Sins of the father. Sins of the father. That's right. (laughs) So true. I mean, I know that's that we're all leaving. And uh, when you, when you know that that's, you know, really is on your shoulders, (laughs) it, it, it makes you stop and think. So that is, I, I like that. If, and then, and, right. and, you know, many times we have a tendency to just go, okay, whatever. I'll just turn my back exactly. on any of that because I can't mm-hmm. drive for that. I can't keep up. Well, that, or we like, listen to culture that says God is a God of love. He's not going to judge you. Well, that doesn't square with Scripture. It doesn't square with the, the character of God. You don't get your idea of God from culture, media, the world. God has chosen to reveal himself progressively through Scripture and ultimately in the person of Jesus Christ. So if we want to know who God is and how he's created wor- the, you know, the world and life to work, you've got to get in the Word of God where he's revealed it to us. He has made it very clear. The problem is we really don't want to be held accountable. We all have to die to our flesh, to our old sin nature, to be able to obey God. I am a leader for, I do a life group with high school girls, senior high school mm. girls, and you'll hear it, as you know, in, in teaching Bible study, that over and over again, I'm just not where I need to be with God. I just feel like I can't get deep with him, or I just feel like I'm not hearing from him, or I just, you know, all those comments. And I, I felt that way, too. And you, then you start realizing you are where you want to be, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you, when you're, you know, having those comments, it's like, I just can't get closer or, or feel like, you know, I'm, I'm having this awesome relationship. And just to be able, like you said, God is a God of, of grace to, to be okay and just keep craving him that go, okay, but today is a new day. So today I can, and I love your 15 minutes today. I can do 15 minutes. And right. just keep going back to that. It's a new day. It's a new day. It's a new day. Well, Donna, we're getting ready to go into another commercial break. And um, when we get back, we are going to talk a little bit more about the, the lessons and what we can do daily to just get into God's word. So stay with us.
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Whether it's an anniversary, the holidays, a job promotion, a birthday, an event, or party, we have so many wonderful things to celebrate. Usually celebrating involves food, and if you're not careful, you end up eating celebration food that you normally would not eat. Many times we go from one celebration or event to another, and even though it's all good, our healthy eating can get off track. The way to combat that is to make healthy eating a lifestyle. I like the 80-20 rule. If you eat healthy, low-calorie food 80% of the time, it's not a problem to splurge or indulge in not-so-healthy foods 20% of the time. The 80-20 plan works and is a great way to make healthy eating a lifestyle. I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we've been chatting with Donna Gaines, a speaker and author of, right now, her latest book, because Donna, you have several out there, but this one is Choose Wisely, Live Fully. And you have a quote saying, God has not changed, so why do we keep repeating the same behaviors, even though we can see no one has been able to sidestep God's laws or the consequences of breaking them? And you you have in here that you're convinced that the answer to that question is that most of us just really don't know what God has said in the first place. So uh, I, I love that because, yeah, so many times when you're in even a discussion about what is in the Bible, uh, we just really don't know what God has to say. So give us some in, insight on that comment. Well, you know, I think what we need to understand is obviously God is creator, and he has written into the spirit realm and the physical realm laws that we may tr- we may try to break, but the problem is we don't break them, they break us. And one of the illustrations I love to use is just the physical law of gravity. God has made that a reality, and I can deny it, I can refute it. But if I step out of a 10-story window, gravity wins, and I will fall to my death. God said spiritually, if we disobey, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Well, that's exactly what happened. They died first spiritually, and then they ultimately died physically. 
Now, God has written these laws into life. I, you know, the law of sowing and reaping, we were talking about the last segment, the if-then verses of Scripture, where God says, if you do this, then this will happen. That's what God has written into, I like to call it just the warp and woof of life. I mean, it's a truth, it's a reality, whether we're even aware of it or not. We are reaping the results of our choices because of the law of sowing and reaping. We don't even have to be aware of it. We don't even have to be a believer. But God has written this into life. But he's given us the Bible so that we can navigate this life and understand how he created it to work. And he's good. He created it to work for our flourishing. You know, Jesus said he came that we might have life and have it abundant. The problem is the enemy wants to steal that abundance by perverting and distorting God's word. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you are very passionate about mentoring, and that is why mm-hmm. that is, is helping um, others being held accountable so they can understand that we really, God does want us to live that abundant life. So mm-hmm. you ha- you've mentioned about mentoring younger women in discipleship is, uh, and discipling them is so important. Uh, you have the question, should older women actively seek out or should the younger women be seeking out the mentor? What What is your answer there? You know, I think it can go either way. When I was a young pastor's wife, I was seeking out mentors, older women, and I would just observe women in the church. And when I saw women who appeared to love the Lord, seemed to be well-grounded in Scripture, had what appeared to be a good marriage, and were investing in their children, I wanted to learn from them. So I would ask them if I could spend time with them. But I may I meet you for lunch? Um, I even started a Bible study at one time, and I was the administrator, and I asked one of the older women in our church to teach it because I really didn't feel qualified at the time to teach women my age and older. Um, I wanted a woman that I could really glean truths and wisdom and life experience from. So I recommend younger women ask an older woman. Sometimes older women don't feel adequate or don't feel like a younger woman would really want to listen to them when that's not the truth. So I really encourage younger women. But as an older woman, just make yourself available. Invest in the lives of younger women. Offer to babysit their children. Offer to have them over and share with them some of the things you've learned about cooking or preparing meals. It's amazing the things that young women want to know to be able to run their homes efficiently that maybe they didn't see modeled for them growing up. So um, we just need to reach out on both ends. And I think that's so important, like you said, so many times older older women, uh, you know, first of all, you look in the mirror and you don't see that you're an older woman because <laughs> you're like, I'm still learning. I, I don't know how I'm going to be a mentor. And I still see, you know, myself in that 30-year-old, uh, <laughs> you know, and then you look in the mirror and you go, huh, well, those age yeah. spots are <laughs> you hear that, I will ask women continuously, hey, how about coming over here and helping out in student ministry or coming over here and out in, in the women's ministry? And they go, I just don't feel adequate. I don't feel like I'm up to speed here. And so when someone comes along and says, will you mentor me? Then it really freaks them out. Right. And <laughs> I love what you said. Just go offer the babysit. It's conversation. It's yeah, not like you have to is. sit down and go through the 10 steps of life. So right. what would be right. other tips for our listeners to step up? I mean, so many times sure. you're going, I don't God wants me. And just Step up even to that one person that you're passing the baton on in doing life with them. It might mean just right. going to counsel with them. It doesn't mean yeah. you have to do a weekly 
coffee Bible study. So what would be some other things that you've noticed that have worked in the mentoring? Well, I would encourage, obviously, if you have children still in the home, let them be your primary primary, um, disciples, those that you want to pour into, spend time with intentionally, not just, you know, getting through your day, but intentionally investing the Word of God in them through reading the Bible together, talking about what God is revealing to you, reading other books together. Um, And I have a group of women that come to my home on Thursday mornings. We meet for two hours from 10 to 12 on Thursday mornings. The small group, we read through the Bible together annually. We memorize scripture. And then we also work through some other Christian classics that we discuss, talk about, and we spend the last 30 minutes praying together. So we really get to know each other well. I actually ask for 18 months when they commit to be a part of this discipleship group, but almost always keep them an extra semester um, because they're never ready to quit. And I, I love that, Patty, because what I find is sometimes women and men are a little intimidated by the Bible. Maybe they're intimidated by the Old Testament. But once you just get together in a small group and start reading it through together and talking about what you've read that week and asking yourself, okay, what's God revealing about himself? That's the most important question we ask every time we open the Bible is, what is God revealing about himself? And then about man and about sin and where have I seen this before? Because as you read through, you find out, as you said earlier, God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, The God of the Old Testament is the God of the New. And so it removes some of the intimidation and the fear factor of getting into the Bible and understanding it when you recognize God has orchestrated history to reveal himself. And it's exciting. I see the light come on in women when they make connection. They go, oh, I've never seen that before. Oh, that's so exciting. I didn't realize that's where that fit or that, that was how God was working in that mm-hmm. situation. And then to begin to apply it to their lives and that excitement over getting it and grasping the truth of God's word, you can't contain. You have to tell somebody else. So that turns them into disciples with their children. And then and it, when I you know, agree to disciple them, I tell them, I'm going to pour into you for 18 months to two years, but then I want you to turn around and do the same thing for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So what is your backstory? Did you grow up in a Christian home? At what point did, usually there's some defining moment where you go, okay, the the whole Popeye thing, I can't stand it no more. Like I I am going (laughs) You know, I did grow up in a yeah in a Christian home, and I know incredibly blessed. My parents are still living, and they're very godly. Uh, my dad is a great listener still, but he was one of those that would always say, "You know, you're going to find the answer on your knees." I mean, that was just his go-to. So I know I have an incredible heritage, and much of where I am spiritually, I owe to them. But in college, I did recognize as I was reading the scripture, and God was just stirring in my heart that I was a a nominal Christian. You know, I was a Christian in name, and I knew how to do all the outward Christian things, and I knew the lingo, but I wasn't walking and talking with God. He wasn't really doing supernatural things in my life. Um, My life was not a real testimony to the power of the Holy Spirit, and so I began to long for the Lord. And when I met my husband, um, he knew God had called him into the ministry, and he and I were talking, and he asked me one day, he said, what do you want out of life? And I said, more than the status quo. I just said, there has to be more to the Christian life than I've experienced. And literally from that time in college until today, I am still on a quest (laughs) to know God, to walk with him, to talk with him, to see him do what only he can do. As he flows through me and through those that I am doing life with, I want God to show himself mighty 
and to do what cannot be explained except by God himself. Mm. And where do you see that? Where do you see God's mightiness? Well, I, I see it obviously in my children's lives because, I mean, you know, it's, a, it's the grace gift of God, and I do believe part of that heritage of blessing from my family and Steve's family as well, that all four of our children love the Lord, are serving the Lord and walking with Him and married believers. Um, so that's incredibly gratifying, you know, to teach your children of the Lord and to know that they're walking with Him. There is really no greater joy. Um, but, you know, I also see it in the, some of the things that we're doing. You'd mentioned I'm the founder of Arise to Read. And it was one of those moments I'd been going into the city tutoring. Memphis has a very high child poverty rate. 42% of our children live in poverty. And I just couldn't bear that. And yet recognizing the needs in our education system, I'm an educator in background. I was praying over it one morning. And Patty, it's one of those few times in life when the Holy Spirit just envelops you. And he so strongly impressed upon my heart, this is your city. These are your children. What are you doing about it? I literally rocked back and said, Lord, I don't know. It feels very overwhelming. But God has given me enough light to take the next step. I knew initially he was saying recruit churches to adopt inner-city schools and focus on literacy. And the reason is because children in poverty, if they're reading proficiently by the end of third grade, have an 89% graduation rate. That's just phenomenal because in the 50 largest cities in the United States, the average graduation rate is 53%. We are losing half of our children, and we lose them to welfare or prison. And as a believer, you know, I'm supposed to love the Lord with all of my heart. So if I'm loving him, then I'm also going to love my neighbor as myself. And these children in my city are my neighbors, and I cannot continue to just live life as usual and ignore this great need. I had to do something about it. And, you know, this was five years ago that God impressed that upon my heart. Two years ago, we became a nonprofit. And just this year, we are partnering with the North American Mission Board and taking our education model to the nation. That's a God thing. (laughs) That is an amazing God thing. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yes, that you shared that. Uh, Because people do, they'll they'll ask, you know, well, where do you see God in all this? You're so passionate Mm -hmm. with your faith, and you say it's a... A, you know, a relationship that you have with, with God, but where do you see God? So when we come back, we're going to take a real quick uh, commercial break. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about loving your neighbor as yourself. So stay with us. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. 
We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the million-dollar mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the million-dollar mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, I started out the show by asking, are you being held accountable? And we have gone through a few things of what we can do. How can we... um, really focus on getting into God's Word and making time in your day to to really choose the, the wisdom over the folly. And Donna Gaines is a speaker, author, and founder of Arise to Read, a nonprofit organization that recruits churches to adopt and provide tutors for inner-city elementary schools. And Donna, just a few things that you said uh, about d- doing this within the inner city. I think it's so significant because as churches, so many times we spend just in the inside. We do our Bible studies. We get into God's word, which is all amazing. And of course, lives are being formed by that. But then when we start going outside of the church, I get excited because like you said earlier, how are we applying that? How are we being held accountable to all this that we're reading? And I, I would at times, that's my holy disdain, is that you sit here in these Bible studies, it's like we're in this holy huddle, and in our little Christian country club, but what are we doing? How are we really loving our neighbor, you know, as ourselves? And I think because we get so caught up, we start not even loving ourselves. We start beating ourselves, living this guilt, and it's like, get out there and serve and and become exactly. I love this. And when we're, as a parent, when you're looking at how do I, um, as you said, passion is, is taught. I know tonight my husband and I and my daughter, we go and we'll feed the homeless on Thursdays. Mm. And when we leave there, I, I rarely hear my daughter complaining about her life. Exactly. <laughs> <You know>? Exactly. <laughs> they see yes. a whole different perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just it's bigger than them, and they see where they can shine their light, and exactly. where it can fit in there. But so. all of us want significance. All of us want our lives to count, and 
really, ultimately, Patty, our own sin is a thief of our significance. It is what steals from us who God has created and called us to be. But when we are loving Christ, you know, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? He said, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. So if we're walking with Christ and we're loving him with our entire being, then loving our neighbor is absolutely going to be out of the overflow of our walk with Christ, and we can't help but go serve because of the love of Christ that wells up within our heart, and we begin to see as he sees and have his heart of compassion for a lost, broken, and hurting world. And once we get out and start serving, you're so right, it takes the focus off of self and puts it out on serving others, which actually boosts our own self-esteem and significance because now we have a God confidence not self-confidence, but a God-confidence that we are taking part in something God is doing, and it is so much bigger than we are. And I, I love that, God-confidence. That's a, that's a good, uh, just to, to file that on mm-hmm. God-confidence, because so, so many times when we can, you know, just God has given us an opportunity to have a voice um, mm-hmm. with doing the radio, with you being a, a, an author and the founder where you can share Christ this way. And many times people go, I just can't find my gift. I just can't find that, that talent of where God wants me to have that, that voice. And having that God confidence, many times I'm not ecstatic about the things that I do. Tonight, I'm not starting out my day going, I cannot wait to go to the shelter tonight. And it's, it's having that God confidence. It's praying and saying, okay, God, show me where I can have an impact and where others can impact me. And it's changing. It's having that different attitude. But uh, I, I think people look at us and go, we just, you know, we're the Pollyannas that go through life skipping and saying, yeah, you know, yeah, there are times, but there are also times you have to pray for that. He gives you the desires of your heart, but my heart's not always in the right place. No, I just want to... Well, and that goes back to making our actions line up with the Word of God and not with our feelings, you know, and eventually our feelings will line up. We can't be led by our feelings. And you're, you're, you've made a commitment, you're choosing to follow through, and the eternal impact, not only the people that you're touching, but on your own, like you said, your daughters, you're taking her in, what she's seeing, what she's experiencing, God's going to use that as you're modeling Christian compassion, and she's learning how to get beyond herself and serve someone who's less fortunate and take responsibility for them. And, you know, I think there's a key is what you said is you, even when you don't feel like you pray and you ask the Lord to give you wisdom and insight, and, you know, you don't know what God's doing in the lives of those homeless people and that he will give you just the right word at the right time that's going to speak to them and resonate in their heart and spirit with what God's been impressing upon them, which may lead to them coming to Christ or getting their life back on track. You know, we're all one piece of the puzzle of what God is putting together. And we've got to be faithful to fulfill the part he has for us. You know, I think, Patty, one of the most convicting things for me was for Jesus to be at the end of his life and to be able to say, I've accomplished everything the Father had for me to do. God has a purpose and a plan for each one of us. And I want to live every day for that day, the day I stand before him. And I so want, with all of my being, to have fulfilled his purpose for my life. But the only way I can do that is if I'm in his word and spend time in prayer and listening to his voice as he unfolds that plan. Mm. 
All right, that that is such a, a great way to to end our show. So I'm glad you you left us with that tip. And Donna, I also, uh, how can our listeners find you? How can they uh, get a hold of your not only this book, but tell us a, a little bit more about your other books? Yes, my um, well, I wrote a book called Leaving Ordinary: Encounter God Through Extraordinary Prayer, and it's basically using the Old Testament tabernacle and temple articles as a guide to your personal time with the Lord, because as believers, we're priests of the Lord, and the priests ministered to the Lord in the tabernacle. Well, when we pray, we're ministering to the Lord as his priest, and it revolutionized my prayer life. Um, I also wrote There's Gotta Be More on Life in the Spirit, and then a book on Ephesians called Seated, Living from Our Position in Christ. And you can find some of our resources. In fact, the teachings, our weekly Bible studies, are live-streamed at bellevue.org. And then on at Abingdon Press, abingdonpress.com slash Donna Gaines, just my name, there are some additional resources, and there's actually a downloadable one-year format for discipleship. And obviously, you don't have to stick to it, but it gives somebody a starting place if they want to start discipling. Mm-hmm. So uh, say that again, where they go for the one-year discipleship. Yes. yes, it's Abingdon Press dot com slash Donna Gaines, my name. And then if they're interested in the literacy model, arise number two read dot org has all kinds of information there. And and tell us uh, uh, this arise to read is, is so significant. I know um, I have one of my close friends is a teacher, and she was mm-hmm. talking about the, the eighty thousand kids that are that are homeless and they're literally yeah. just transient through the school system. You might see them there for a month or so, and then they're, they're off at a, an, in another school. It, it just, it breaks my heart to think that we have a child that is homeless, that might not even have breakfast that morning and is, you know, just moved from, from school to school. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your, your, your passion. Like you said, here you were in Tennessee and you went, whoa, because we we see the, the pain and the brokenness and God is calling, I believe, each and every one of us to, you know, like you said, it can be overwhelming, but what's the one thing that you do? So what what was your steps? Because I, I hear that so often. It's like, yes, it's just, it's overwhelming to me. I don't know where to start. And I feel like the Lord just unfolded the program here for us, honestly. I mean, five years ago, I would not have anticipated being where we are. But we used the Fry Sight Word List, which is a list of 1,000 words put together by Edward Fry years ago. It's, I mean, every educator knows about it. It's basically broken down to 100 words per grade. And we use those words to initially teach the child, but we also play games with the words they don't know to help them uh, comprehend it, being able to use it in a sentence. We read with them. But every child in the second grade, this is our goal, will be tutored one hour a week. And the significance of that is many of these children, as you know, when you talk about inner city children, do not have a, number one, a responsible adult in their life who commits to something and follows through. But then they also don't get that one-on-one, eyeball-to-eyeball time of nurturing that so many of them need. And so it fulfills the academic side of the aspect, but it also helps these children to blossom emotionally and relationally because they connect to their tutors and they light up when they see them. It is a precious relationship for the child, but also for the adult that goes in to tutor them. 
you know, Katie Davis um, is a missionary to Uganda, wrote Kisses to Katie, and she made a statement. She said, obviously, the key to eternal life for these children is Jesus, but the key to a better life here and now is education. And the only way they're ever going to be able to read the Bible for themselves and know God in a personal way that way is if they can read. So that is our goal, to get every child on grade level by third grade. Okay, and that's a whole other story. Kisses from Katie. Yes. I read her book, and I just, uh, oh, um, uh, boy, I would highly recommend that book. Uh, I do, too. Out there. Talk about just inspirational mm-hmm. and what a heart for the Lord. Uh, you, you definitely um, can <laughs> get inspired. Uh, there, there's another gal I was just reading about that uh, she, she went over to Africa and, as a journalist right out of college mm-hmm. and she thought who's going to hire me to come over here so I'm just going to go check it out and see where God's calling me and she met these gals that she wanted to um, help them get through college so mm-hmm. she committed a way I'm going to figure out a way to financially come up with some money that you guys will all be able to go to college and she came back to the states and her friends she just thought I'm going to come back and raise this money her friends mm-hmm. told her you make these leather shoes with fabric why don't you show them how to make the leather shoes with fabric? And Mm -hmm. so she brought some of the material over there and sure enough, they, they all started making shoes and now it's an entire warehouse there where she's just that great woman after woman is going to college because you know, we're talking a 21, 22 year old. So Mm -hmm. uh, we can get inspired by just being obedient and doing, you know, Getting into God's word and going, okay, God, where where do you want me? Right. Well, this is delightful talking with you, Donna. I I love having Patty. And I hope all of our listeners will go out there and uh, look up on Twitter and on Facebook. And you have Donna DeGainesBlogspot.com. Yes. So, thank you so much, Donna. And I hope all of our listeners have a great week. Thank you, Patty. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.